Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners to the podcast. So in today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the benefits of doula care um, during COVID that you may not have thought of. So uh, obviously things have changed in our environment and, you know, we want people to know how they can access care, what the benefits are. And so I've brought in Christy Clements to share with us some knowledge. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I like to do this with all of my guests, which is, you know, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, like why doula work for you and we'll jump off from there. Sure. Uh, So I'm a mom of three, um, small, medium, and large. I like to, to joke. Um, And uh, I'm also um, a massage therapist and a doula as well as love to dance when COVID isn't happening. Um, and there's a lot of arts that happen in our, in our family. So, um, so that's a little bit about me um, and how doula work came about is actually um, by accident. I didn't know that doulas existed and looked into mas- massage therapy as the way of getting into midwife college. So I wanted to be a midwife. Um, and I thought that becoming a massage therapist might be a good way of looking better on my application. So I was in the program, teamed up with a second year student who just happened to be expecting. And she asked me if I wanted to be at her birth with her and her partner. And this was the first time that I even knew there was another option other than being an obstetrician, labor and delivery nurse, or a midwife. So went to her birth as a doula and fell in love with it. Still for quite a while, I thought that I would do doula work until I became a midwife. And it wasn't until I had been doing it for a while that I realized I actually really liked being a doula even more than I would have liked being a midwife. And I was able to work with so many different families and different situations um, and just really liked it and then became a partner with another doula and um, then had the shared care model, which I can talk about a little bit later, which is also a nice change. And now I have a team. So now I doula the doulas, which is actually the same thing, really, um, but just a, a different audience. So I'm supporting the supporters, which is really quite nice and making sure that doulas are not burning out and that doulas are feeling supported and um, cared for and that their cup is full. So they have uh, to stuff something to give to others, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I imagine 
you know, I've spoken with many doulas and like some of the kind of schedules and like how you guys have to like manage things. And I mean, I don't know what it is, but like babies love to like start the process at nighttime. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, you're going to be pulling an all nighter, you know, Um, and I imagine that can be really difficult, especially when you're like, I we don't actually know when this is going to go down. So it's like, okay, we kind of like sit in anticipation for a week. And like, how do you do that and still live a normal life and do all those things? Um, And I don't think people realize the impact that that has the on-call portion, because you think you're not working. So, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, but really you have that little bit of adrenaline in your system. You have that, you sleep a little bit less um, well (laughs) when you're on call. And when that's 24 seven all the time, it's exhausting and you miss important family events and your kids start to resent it. And you never want that. So it's really kind of nice to, to work with others. Yeah. So I, you brought up the shared model. Um, so before you answer that, maybe I'll mm-hmm. kind of put it into a two-part kind of question, which is, um, again, <clears throat> our listeners may not have listened to some of my previous, po- previous podcasts. So I want to kind of just talk about, again, briefly, like, what is a doula? What do they do? Um, and then maybe you could talk about, you know, what a shared care model. No, you, you said, yeah. it, you said it's something. Did I say yeah, that correct? That's, okay. That's exactly it. Shared care model. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, doula just basically means support person. So there are different kinds of doulas. There are birth doulas, postpartum sleep, and even death doulas. So it just means that that person supports the the person going through the experience in some way to make it an easier journey. So at Helping Hands, we focus on the birth and postpartum aspect. And to keep it really simple, I like to explain birth doulas are like a wedding planner for the birth of a baby. So we don't catch the baby or do anything medical, just like a wedding planner doesn't marry the couple. But the wedding planner kind of makes the day go a little bit smoother, has ideas that you might not have thought of, stuff like that. And the same with a doula. So a doula just kind of helps things go more smoothly, has experience and ideas that you would never have thought of, but doesn't do anything medical, which is kind of the fun part of our bit of our job. And then postpartum doulas, I like to explain that like Mary Poppins. So you come home with this brand new baby and you feel like your life is just in shambles. And in comes this beautiful being who helps to make everything go smoothly. (laughs) And that's kind of what a postpartum doula is. So they have experience, they um, teach hands-on stuff, but they also care for the family as a whole which is really nice. So, so we're Mary Poppins and we're wedding planners, uh, which is kind of an easy way to think about it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I had never, I would never necessarily, you know, uh, uh, think about it from that perspective. So that really kind of helps to highlight it. Okay. So, you know, um, so typically if I understand correctly, like 
you would be sort of meeting with the families prior to the birth, trying to understand the best way to support. There may be some prenatal, you know, education might talk about, you know, how to support that birth. And then you would get the call and then you would show up, whether it be like in home or at the hospital. And then you'd basically be there until the end. Mm -hmm. Pre-COVID. Yep. Okay. So, then COVID hits. Yes. What, you know, what does that mean <laughs> for yeah. the way things are working? You know, like if that was the previous model, what does the current model sort of look like? Yeah. So about this time last year, the hospitals decided to throw us a curveball and only allow one support person at the hospitals. And so a lot of our clients were thrown off by this. They were expecting to have that in-person support. And so very quickly we had to use that buzzword pivot <laughs> our support um, to allow for that. And so there was a learning curve, not going to lie. It wasn't as simple as taking what we used to do and just do it virtually. You know, there's a lot of businesses that might have been able to do that easily, but it wasn't the same type of service. So there was a learning that we had to have as doulas where we had to realize that the preparation was different. So if you envision pre-COVID, we would have two prenatal sessions with the family that we were working with. And we would do work in a shared care model, which means they have two doulas working with the family. So they're assigned these two doulas that work with them through the pregnancy, and then one of them would support them through the labor and birth. And so we had these two sessions, but what we realized very quickly was two sessions wasn't enough because if we're in there in the moment, we can do a lot of education as things come up. But when we're not, we need to make sure that they have a lot more tools in their toolbox before even getting to that point. So we ended up starting to teach comfort measures, which we didn't do before because we would be there to show the partner how to massage the back or get them into certain positions. But if you're on the phone with someone and you say, okay, can you get her leaning on the counter with her hips um, nice and open, get her swaying from side to side, massage her low back. I know what that looks like in my head like that. I can picture that no problem, but would a partner who has some emotions going on, because this is a pretty new experience for them, are they going to understand what that means? And do I want to be on camera trying to hold the, the video to show my body and them show like it just it didn't work that way. So what we did was we spent more time preparing them. So we ended up going from two prenatal sessions to five. So we had a lot more preparation. There's um, infant feeding and infant care included there. Um, but then in the moment, we were able to send pictures of what we were talking about. So we'd, we'd say, can you get her into this position? And here's the picture. And we would send it in the group chat. And the par partner would say, oh, yeah, I remember practicing that. And they would get into that position. So you know, there was definitely that learning. There was also a bit of um, a selling 
or buy-in of our doulas. So for a little while, myself included, we were very apologetic about the fact that we couldn't be in person. So it would be like, I'm so sorry, we can't be there, but this is what we're doing. And what happened over time was I got really excited about this support because it is so different and so wonderful because the partners really step up. The couple is very connected throughout the process, but they're not alone. They have this resource that they can pull out of their back pocket anytime. And maybe they don't need to use it very much. That's great. That means that their preparation was good and the labor is going kind of how they expected. But for those moments that things aren't really going the way that they expected, then they have this this expert that they can chat with. And there's a lot of things that hasn't changed. The, the being able to talk about medical interventions and what the, the doctors might be recommending soon and giving them time to process and know their options and feel more confident talking to those medical professionals. That doesn't matter if I'm in the room or on the other line, you know, talking to them before the, the doctor comes in. So there was a lot of things that really stayed the same and we needed to get excited about what we were doing. And I am so excited. This is something we're going to keep, you know, forever. Like even COVID when it's done, hopefully <laughs> one day when we we're back to normal, whatever that means, we'll have in person, but we'll have this virtual support still because it, it appeals to certain people and it, it's a different kind of service. And, um, we never would have been able to introduce something like this without COVID. So I'm very grateful for that, um, that aspect. But all that being said, we are still doing in-person in certain circumstances. So back when the lockdown first happened, no one was in the hospital unless it was someone in your household. So in the case where you were a single parent, maybe single by choice or by situation, or it was your second baby and your partner had to stay home with the older one, you labored at the hospital alone. You couldn't have anyone other than someone in your household. So thank goodness that has changed. You can have one support person of your choosing, and that includes a doula. So we have situations where um, they don't have a support person, so we are that for them. Or um, a lot of people are having their second or third babies and their parents are older. They don't want to have them come and potentially put themselves at risk. Or their parents would have come from overseas or traveled from another country and they can't now. And so people would call asking if we would come be with the older child, but actually it's so much better to have the familiar parent stay home. So at three in the morning, if that child wakes up, they're not freaking out wondering who this stranger is, but the partner um, knows that the laboring parent has an expert with them. And because we do virtual support, we can keep the partner included and connected. So sending lots of messages, connecting them through video for the actual birth, if that's something that they want to be a part of, but definitely the moments after birth, you know, being able to share that, that as best we can. So, you know, we're, we're kind of doing the doula thing, which is go with the flow, figure things out as they come and finding the best way to, 
to do what we do. And so almost a year later, I'm pretty, pretty happy with where we, where we are. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's amazing. And I was thinking like, as you first started to talk about like being sort of apologetic, I feel like you were not alone in this um, in the sense that like we too had to change the way that things have been always, the way things always have been done, right? You think of physiotherapy, it's always in person. And, you know, we had a, you know, major learning curve and we had to do it fast. It wasn't like there was time for us to be like, okay, let's figure out how it was literally, like I was literally like, I landed because I was actually away um, before the lockdown happened and we landed the day after everything officially locked down. So like I was working already trying to figure out like, what does this all even look like? How am I going to deal with that? And I'm not even allowed in my office for two weeks while I quarantined. Right. So it was like, getting my whole staff and every, like, thankfully I have such an amazing team of people that like were there to support, but it was very similar, like virtual physiotherapy, virtual naturopathy, virtual, whoever was able to go virtual, we had to do that really quickly. And I'm not to say that we were like, maybe we were feeling kind of apologetic, like that this is all like we can you know, offer at that time. Um, But there was definitely a sense of like, you know, we were trying to figure it out. Yeah. And it was imperfect. It was perfectly imperfect (laughs) as we made that transition. And then there was this moment and I'm sure, and I'm curious to to see if, if you also had a similar moment, but there, you know, after some time had passed because people thought, okay, we're going to go back in person. Things are going to go back to normal. And then they weren't. And then they weren't the next month and then the next month. So probably like three, four months in, we started to see this like turnaround of like everybody was doing virtual. And so everybody was getting used to this idea. And because we had already been doing it for a while, like we were actually beginning to see some like really good benefits. Like we, you know, conceptually, and there's like lots of evidence, well, in the physiotherapy world, like evidence around virtual care working, but we just had never seen it. Right. But as we start to see it and we're like, oh my God, this is getting better. Like, did you have a similar aha moment where you were starting to see similar things happening for yourself and your, for your, for your clients? Oh, absolutely. And even just thinking about what you do, when we can, it's like with anything, when we can do something for someone, the learning is different, right? So, you know, I would imagine you've had um, conversations prenatally with your clients about doing perennial massage and how to show their partner and maybe their partner came in and, you know, but they can still see you. So do they take it seriously? Does the partner actually, you know, step up and do it? But when you're doing it virtually, there's no other option. So yeah. the partner's going to step up or the the client is going to do the work. And even with, uh, we have virtual lactation support and people would think like, would anyone want to do virtual lactation? Like that seems such a waste. But 
I've had so many clients where when the, the lactation consultants in the room, everything goes so smoothly. And then the next feeding, it all falls apart. But when you're there learning to do it yourself and no one can do it for you, then guess what? It might be a bit more frustrating. It might take a little bit more time, but the next time that you come to do it, it's going to be easier because you were the one that did it. Then you know that mentally, so you can get back to that place. So um, there was a huge aha moment for me and I kind of got it a bit sooner, I think that's than some of my other team members. And so I had to, I had to sell our team on how amazing this support was and how beneficial it was um, in what we were seeing and what the client feedback was. So, um, so yeah, it was, it definitely came, but there was a lot of that perfectly imperfect and trying to have this very professional um, company and trying to build this reputation that we've had for 20 years, there is this expectation that we will do things perfectly. And so I think we needed to also take the pressure off and realize that people were okay with the fact that we were figuring it out because they were in their own professions figuring it out. And we were all a little bit more patient with each other. <laughs> and and I think that was nice to, to take that, that kind of pressure to be perfect as a business owner and as a team leader as well, like for our team and, and usually having all the answers and being the mentor for everyone. And all of a sudden it's like, I've been a doula for 20 years and I feel like I'm just starting again <laughs> from day one. So um, I think understanding that other people were going to be okay with that and we could just accept everyone where we were at. That was, that was nice. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself about the, you know, perfectly imperfect, you know, as you're sort of talking about the lactation consultant, you know, being virtual and the person actually having to try things out with some, you know, without somebody sort of doing, that means their learning curve, like exponentially increases, right? Because they were going to have to be imperfectly imper imperfect in the beginning anyways, right? But maybe the benefit is rather than, you know, having this lactation consultant doing it for you and seeing this perfect vision, and then you trying on your own and being like, oh my God, I can't do it the way they did it. I'm so bad at this. I'm never going to get it, right? That kind of removed all of that negative self-talk and self-mindset because, you know, they didn't, somebody hadn't done it for them. And so they actually had the support of somebody moving them through the perfectly imperfect. Yeah. And because of that, you know, they got over the fear, real fear or whatever the, the limit limiting beliefs around doing mm -hmm. the thing that needs to be done that, that all got sped up and removed and mm -hmm. reorganized. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, oh, you massage her back in labor because you'll be so much better at it. Or, you know, like the a lot of doulas, because we want to, we're helpers, we want to help. So you step in, right? But we forget, kind of like a parent, actually, that we need to let people make mistakes. And, and that's a big part of our postpartum work is 
teaching parents who are usually type A <laughs> that it's okay to not have all the answers, to make some mistakes, learn from them. And when we're not there to be that comparison, like, of course, we can swaddle a baby way easier, or change a baby faster, or like, you know, get a baby latched on easier. But we've been doing this forever. Like, it's so different. We've got thousands of times that we've done it. And they're just starting. So I like that they aren't comparing themselves to to the expert and finding themselves short, um, because that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair to compare. Exactly. And, and I think it's also forced us as the one providing the information and providing the care to like really become more clear, right? Because now we have to give somebody else some instruction. So like we have gotten such a huge learning to be better supporters than like the ones sort of doing. Right. And I mean, I'm doing, you know, who would have thought like I'm doing my pelvic floor assessments virtually, right. They're different than obviously what would be in person, but the way that I'm doing it now is like, I feel like I, I'm really helping people reconnect with the, with their own selves. Like I'm giving them an opportunity to just pull back for a minute and like really feel their body and really discover how it moves, which is what I want them to do. You know, when in clinic, when I'm doing my assessment and I'm teaching the exercise, but their first exposure is like, okay, there's me giving them that feedback. There's me pressing and tapping and, you know, doing all these things to help them connect. But now it's like, you have no choice, but to try to connect. Yeah. And now you get to connect on your own and when appropriate, if, and when appropriate, you come in person and then we, we reevaluate and we go through it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, it's been such a gift. Um, I'm one of those annoying glasses, always half full or even over full. Um, but I think that the people in professions that have really pushed themselves to look at what they used to do, especially if they had been doing it for a long time, because when you've been doing something for a long time, you get a little cocky, you, you know what you know, and, and you stop learning almost. And so this forced people to really um, grow in their professions and look at things differently. And, um, I was shocked that the amount of doulas that just kind of threw in the towel, you know, they're like, Oh, sorry, I can't be there. So, you know, good luck to you. (laughs) And like, I can't, that I can't even think of that as an option. Like that was never an option. It was okay. What can we do and how do we do it? Um, And so because we've pushed ourselves out of our comfort zone, for sure. We were so uncomfortable for a good while, <laughs> but that has created such a growth. And now the, the service that people are receiving is so heightened because we are more aware of how we talk. What, what did we used to do naturally without thinking unconsciously? But now we had, like you said, we had to analyze, okay, how would we have done that assessment? Like what now we have to ask questions and, and get them to connect. And we do that 
with our clients. They're connecting as, as partners and as a couple differently um, because we're not there to just step in for them. So, so I'm grateful, although it has been challenging and I'm ready for it to be done now. Yes. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think it has really given an opportunity for some amazing growth. So this is just kind of popping into my mind because we've been sort of speaking in the context of hospital births, but I don't have the stats on me or like, I don't have the stats, but what I've been hearing is that there's been an increase in home births. And have you seen a, that and b like, are doulas going in as support people for home births mm-hmm. out of curiosity? So um, again, I wouldn't be able to, to throw stats at you. I think, to be honest, I think the idea of home births has gone up. I don't know if we really looked at the numbers and analyzed the numbers. I don't know if it's really changed because if someone didn't feel comfortable with having a home birth, all of a sudden COVID and the anxiety that adds to that isn't going to all of a sudden make them feel more comfortable to, little, to deliver at home. Um, maybe they think that they can, but they end up transferring to the hospital anyway, because subconsciously, it's just not where they feel the safest. It's not where they are the safest. Like home births can be extremely safe in so many scenarios, but it's, the the laboring mom has to feel safe and so where where is that for, for the particular person and they might try to convince themselves that it's at home but really deep down it might not be so um there is a lot of people looking into midwifery probably more than they would have before but the capacity is still the capacity like um, midwives can't take more people just because more people want it that's always been a challenge that's um, always been an issue oh, regardless yeah. i you know that i literally called like <laughs> I, I found out i was pregnant on a friday i called the monday oh <laughs> yeah yeah there's people who call the same day like they call they would call on the friday <laughs> um but i really think that um the numbers have probably not changed that much. Um, but the people who do reach out for doula support, um, because there has been a decrease in people looking into doula support. And I think that's the biggest disappointment is people make assumptions based on what's, what's happening in the world and what they think is available. So they hear, oh, I can only have my support, one support person. Obviously I'm going to have my partner. I don't want some person to try and convince me that, I shouldn't have my partner and that they should be there instead, right? Some people might think that. And then they have this vision of like virtual doula support being this person on a tripod video video conferencing through their whole labor. And who would feel that is comforting? (laughs) Like that definitely is not what most people would want. So when I do have people who kind of go, well, I don't know what this might look like, but I'm going to find out. And they get on the phone with me or my partner and they hear what it actually is. And they go, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like this is way better than I thought it would be. And, um, and then all of a sudden their mind is, is open to it. Um, but the same with postpartum support, we hear the stay at home order and, and that kind of thing. And so they don't even look into a postpartum doula thinking that they can't have one when really 
there's nothing stopping us from providing in-person postpartum support. It's an essential service. And um, when we and did highly down, needed. Yeah, we yeah. did close for one week back when we locked down um, the first time. And we had doctors calling us saying, when are you going to start support again? I'm really concerned about my patient and their mental health. And that was when we, we said, you know what, this is essential. And so we've been continuing support all along. And because of that, we have some really strong COVID policies in place. Um, and we've got a system that people who are just kind of jumping in to things um, might not have that. And there is like, uh, just for, for clarification, um, like the government has deemed you essential. Well, the government doesn't deem anything actually essential. So you can call them and ask them what is essential and does my business service, what, whatever um, fall under your essential services list and they will not tell you. They will say, you need to read the list and decide yourself. It's the most ridiculous thing. So <laughs> it really depends on how you read the, the list. And if you were questioned, do you feel that you have enough to back up that without your support, um, the public would be in, in a worse place than if you don't provide support? And honestly, I would I would really get anyone to question me. Like, you want me to convince you? I can convince you. Like, you want to talk oh. to any of our clients who would say there's no way. Like, yes, it's a, it's not essential in that. Can you do it on your own? Sure. But what about the, the lack of, um, the lack of support when it comes to going to see your pediatrician or getting access to lactation support. How many parents are not aware that their baby is not eating enough and then they go and see their doctor two days later and find out their baby has lost a lot of weight. Two days is a long time for a brand new family. And now those parents feel horrible judging themselves going, oh, how could I possibly have been starving my client, my, my baby for two days when it wasn't their fault. They had no way of knowing. And so, you know, there's, there's some really big reasons why having a doula is so important um, for like, yeah, so many reasons. trauma, <laughs> trauma. Yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, one of the literature pieces I was reading, and this is like in Canadian, like obstetrician guidelines, um, you know, as to what somebody considers a, you know, a positive birth. And one of the main factors for consideration of a positive birth is the amount of support that they get from a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a single mom or you have children at home, like you said, in those circumstances that, you know, if you're alone, and you don't have somebody even because, you know, if you're meeting with a doula prior to the actual birth, like you've developed a relationship. It's not like you're pulling somebody random off the street to like assist you with the birth. Right. So you've developed some relationship with this person, you know, feeling that you're supported. Major mental health, like like and uh, of course, somebody experiencing trauma puts tremendous negative consequences in, 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 into life in the system, right? So I would argue from that perspective, like 
you know, that is essential. Oh, yeah. And trauma is ongoing. Like we think of birth trauma and you might have an idea of what that would be, but a traumatic birth could be an unmedicated birth for someone who really needed to have an epidural and arrives at the hospital nine centimeters and the nurse is like, oh, honey, you're almost there. You can do it. And doesn't realize that there's a reason why that that person needs to have that tool. Um, Trauma could also be having a C-section. Like there's so many different traumas, but that's just birth. Yeah. Then we go into the postpartum, which is the trauma of, you know, learning how to breastfeed and having all of the, the pressures of that and maybe not having things go as smoothly as you had wanted and then judging yourself and, you know, all of the things that come with that and connecting with your baby and not, or not connecting with your baby because of it being so stressful. And when you're, when you're trying to chest feed and it's a a stressful experience. And the only time that that parent has their baby is when they're trying to feed and it's this huge stressful situation. What is that subconsciously doing to the relationship and connection with Mm. that parent and the baby? Like, it's, it's crazy. And, and how people will push themselves with just lack of knowledge. The, if you give your baby a bottle, all is lost with breastfeeding. That is totally untrue. Totally. So you could have someone hanging on to that belief when really they could use tools available to them and get to their end goal and feel better about it along the way too. And just thinking about like like you said, the subconscious, like the self-talk, like you're brand new, like, and never mind, like, and, and then I also think of parents who have their children at home that are doing like virtual school and, you know, maybe the partner is working outside of the home and you're trying to breastfeed with a child that is not breastfeeding well, or it's painful, or like, I try not to go too far down the rabbit hole because it kind of scares me a little bit, just how, potentially being under supported can lead to such long lasting negative um, health consequences. I mean, I think to my own pregnancy, I mean, by day four, I was ready to throw in the towel on breastfeeding. It was so painful. And I mean, you know, it wasn't that I didn't have access. Uh, so this is 2016. So this is pre COVID. Like I had, you know, a lactation consultant came by for five minutes where I'm tired and I'm, you know, I'm not processing, I'm in pain. Like, And just was like, well, why don't you try this position, this position? And like, it was a 10 minute, 10 minute, like consult. And I got home and I was like, I don't know if I can do this any further. So I, you know, I privately paid for one to come to my home. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, you're, you're, you know, your daughter has a tongue tie. Mm -hmm. And like, so we tried a whole bunch of things to ease that until I could get the tongue tie taken care of. I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that like, because of that, it was hurting. And I mean, thankfully I was able to get in within two days. And I mean, like she gave me some creams and gave me some things of how I could like manage my pain and discomfort just so I could make it long enough to get the procedure done. And like, you know, and I was like, like the thoughts in my mind is like, am I failing as a mother? Am I failing as a woman? Am I, you know, like all of those thoughts, thoughts are in there. And if you don't have anybody to check those thoughts, they Mm -hmm. just loop. Yeah. And they loop and they loop and, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, and then you stress. So you're probably not going to produce as much. So it's just, yep. it's like we, women need support. Yeah. 
in this realm. Like it's a vicious circle for sure. And, you know, when you were saying like, there's so many people that talk about their negative experiences as well. So then we picture that all births are traumatic and all, um, you know, chest feeding experiences are traumatic. Um, And so then you also need someone there to tell you what's normal, right? So do you need to panic? Maybe you're just on the normal learning curve of the, the feeding parent and the baby are both learning something new. So we have people who kind of overanalyze and go, oh, this is just like my friend who had so much trouble, but really maybe they just need a couple more days. They're doing all the right things. So if you don't have someone there with you and different than family and friends. So even before when you could have everybody in your brother around you, <laughs> it wasn't the same because they can't give you that information. They can't say, oh yeah, you know what? You've got all the right pieces in place. Just be patient. It's going to come together. Or you know what? You're doing all the right things. Something else is going on. Let's get you to an expert, you know, right away. And our lactation consultant talks to us all the time about how she loves seeing clients from us because they don't wait too long to come and see her. She has people come into her office who are ready to give up if things don't get better that day. Like they have been struggling for weeks and weeks and they are just done. This is their last ditch effort, but we don't let it get to that point. We get the support right away. And so there's a couple of fires to put out, but not like a forest fire. (laughs) And, and that's, I think where it can be so confusing because we don't want to create more fear and anxiety in something that is already so emotionally charged, but we also need to help people know when they need to reach out for, for, for their that support. next level care. Um, and so like our welcome home support is awesome. We have 18 hours of a doula coming for the night and day that they come home from the hospital. So they hand you this baby, they say, congratulations, you can go home now. And you're exhausted. You're still trying to figure out how to feed the baby. You have no idea what you're doing. And they let you leave (laughs) with this baby. And so what we do is we come around like between seven and nine that night, um, help them settle in, help them with all the feedings, help care for the family. Partner can get some rest without feeling guilty. Um, Make sure that they're eating, that, that the birthing parent has a shower and feels like human again. And then the next day there can be some learning. So, you know, doing the the diaper change tricks that we've learned, showing swaddling techniques, going through the first baby bath, you know, all of those different things can happen and setting them up for what to expect the next couple of days too, because when they leave the hospital, they, they have a certain set of rules, like wake the baby up and, you know, feed for this amount of time. And then maybe the milk comes in and they keep doing what they're doing. They're still trying to wake the baby, but now the baby's not interested. Um, and it becomes so frustrating and they don't realize the rules have changed. <laughs> no one told them. It's like, oh, your milk has come in. Baby's going to be more satisfied now. It's okay to let them sleep a bit longer. But then you've got the other parents that have heard the whole feed on demand and they could have a baby that's um, got some jaundice. And so they're extra sleepy in the first few days because they don't have the calories that they need to wake up. So their baby is what they think is an angel child sleeping for four or five hours, which is really not good. So 
it's just, I can't imagine going through all of this without the support. Like it should really be a necessity. Like everybody should put this in place and have family and friends contribute to it as a, as a baby shower gift, you know, like you don't need a million onesies. Like let's, let's focus on the, the connection and the experience of becoming parents. Like that's what's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. I, I, that's a really actually interesting perspective, like in, in terms of like the supports systems we used to have, you know, like in the whole birthing experience, we've, we've, we've really lost that support. Cause I mean, as far as I'm concerned, every woman should see a pelvic floor physio after giving birth. Yeah. I mean, every woman should see one before giving birth. So <laughs> let us like work on the things to really give you a good head start and like really help you connect with your body and share what's normal, what's not normal. Like, you know, there are so many things you can do versus, you know, just suffering through pain or whatever, whatever the circumstances is. And, you know, it just boggles my mind sometimes that like these things that could just make the world of difference for the birthing person, for the baby, for the fam. It just, why aren't those things set up for us? Or why don't we think of those things as really the necessity? Mm -hmm. Because again, like, I don't need 18 onesies that they're going to grow out of in three, you know, it literally in three weeks. And then I'm going to be buying clothes again. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, back to my pregnancy and, and working, like I was doing hypnobirthing and there was like prenatal stuff, you know, tied into it. And, you know, that, and if it wasn't for my doula, like saying at that time, like, listen, if you're having any issue and she's like, and honestly, if you're not having an issue, you should really seek a lactation consultant. And I was like, yeah, you know, I did the typical, like, and then I, you know, and then I, I, I did the typical thing of like, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and I mean, it just happened so quickly. So it was like day four and I, and I just knew I was just like, yeah, no, this is, this is, um, this is get a consult done now. So that's why I acted so quickly only because she was like, even if you don't have a problem, you should have one. But if you do like, do not even think about waiting, you do it right away which yeah. is what I did. Right. But again, first time mom, I don't know. I know. I know. And you would have had to wait to see the pediatrician to find out if there was a problem and they are not, they are definitely not experts when it comes to, um, to chest feeding or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it, it can just be so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it's an investment. That's where, that's where what it comes down to is it is an investment and because it is out of pocket you have to pay for a doula out of pocket um and so people kind of wonder well is there value there and it's hard because if let's say you need to fix a leaky pipe you know that you need to pay a plumber because you already know what the value is right so yeah. it's a no-brainer but when it comes to something like a doula or a pelvic floor physiotherapist, they don't necessarily know the value until they've experienced it. And then they go, oh my gosh, like I can't imagine doing it any other way. Yeah. But that's where the challenge is. It's of course I'm going to be sold. Like I'm going to I'm the one that owes the owns the company. I'm going to tell you how awesome it is, but it's, it's more important for people who have experienced our support to be talking about it. 
Yeah. Talk to your friends, talk to people who are expecting and tell them how important it was to have a doula um, because that's what's going to make them think about it. And then they're going to say, okay, I'll take the leap of faith and I'll trust that there's something of value. I don't really know yet what Um, partners do this a lot. They're like, okay, honey, what if you want on it all right and after they're the ones shouting from the rooftops how amazing it was to have a doula and how everyone should have one (laughs) well it's the same for pelvic floor physio right I mean it's only just in like the last little recent bit that I have like people like actively seeking you know on google for pelvic floor physio but I so most of the clients I was seeing would be already after they've had children it's been a couple of years and it's like you know I'm still peeing my pants oh I don't I don't run trampolines? Absolutely not. You know, jumping jacks. Oh, I don't do that. Right. And then, you know, when we go through everything, cause right. They're like, Oh, I've done Kegels. They don't work. And I'm like, there's so much more that it's not just like squeeze your pelvic floor. Um, there's so much that goes into understanding how your body works and how it responds to different things. And then once I go through all the information that are just like, Oh my God, like, why didn't anybody tell me sooner? Right. And that was the big thing that like led me into postpartum care was just the concept. Why didn't anybody tell me sooner? Why didn't anybody tell me this could help? And then I started to ask myself, well, at what point do I start talking about this? Like, you know, at what point can I get somebody to think about down there? Right. And I was like, well, pregnancy is a good time. I mean, be great if I could get them thinking about it, you know, pre pre pre-pregnancy, but I was like, that's a, that's a little more difficult, but I figured, you know, during pregnancy, you're starting to think about, well, this baby's got to come out. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's going to be some things happening down there. Okay. Maybe I should, um, you know, take a look at what's happening. Um, but so many women like then postpartum are like messaging me like, Oh, I had a, you know, this is what happened with my birth. I'm healing. Okay. You know, when, when can I start the exercises you showed me? And I'm like, as soon as you feel really good. And they're like, Oh, okay. So I'll start them now. Right. And they know, they know what they need to do because we've already gone through this. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is my, this is my jam. I'm like, I'm so moving forward with this like prenatal, you know, prenatal support because as you said, there's so many things that like you wouldn't necessarily think of. And why is it that we have to wait until there's a problem? Yeah. And doesn't it break your heart when you hear those comments? I wish I had heard about you sooner. Oh, absolutely. We we hear that, but you can't. So you wish you had seen them sooner, but you can still do the work with them. Yeah. I have so many people. I can't even tell you how many people would say, oh, I wish I had known about you when we had our baby. And you can't get that back. You can't redo mm. the experience. So, you know, these, these people that struggle and you'll, you find your way, like you, you do, you just, yeah. you make it work, but they're like, oh, I, those first three weeks, uh, I couldn't wait for that to be over. Really? Like, that's so sad. Yeah, You know, or I just couldn't wait until the birth was done, you know, like, or like it, all sorts of different things, or I couldn't hold my baby after the birth because I, I was traumatized and I didn't want to equate that trauma with the baby. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's so many different things. And it, even talking to you now, like it gives me chills. I, I am so excited for the day that everyone knows about doulas and actively 
searches for one um, because it really just makes such a difference in the whole experience. And we're the connectors of people like yourself. So, you know, we kind of have this community of, of care providers that we can say during pregnancy, hey, have you considered your pelvic health? Or, hey, you've been talking about this huge fear of tear of tearing during um during birth and or the worst it just makes me cringe when people say rip like I'm just so afraid to rip I'm like can we can we not use that word like let's, yeah. let's just try to use something that's not as triggering but you know hey why don't you look into a pelvic floor physiotherapist and then they feel like they're taking some control and some power and they're they feel empowered in their body to work with their body and they take that fear and change, turn it around. Um, and so we we work with amazing providers like yourself and chiropractors and naturopaths and, you know, it's endless. It's just an endless um, list of people, but they wouldn't have necessarily known ahead of time. Like they yeah. would, it's because of working together that they they have the information and then they end up using it and going, oh yeah, I'm so glad that I did that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. My dear. Yeah. Where can people find you? <laughs> right. So, you know, yes, doulas need doulas. So doulas. Helpinghandsdoula.com. So we have a, a lot of information on our website. We have a very active blog. Um, but we also have um, our Instagram, Helping Hands Doula. And we also have been working on our YouTube. So there's how to videos. You can make energy balls. You can make padsicles, you can learn how to bathe your baby, all sorts of different things um, on our YouTube channel as well. So, um, and I would just encourage people to reach out. Doulas are not salespeople, right? And people yeah. are afraid that if they're gonna have a conversation with someone that now they're committed to something. And I just love having a conversation with someone regardless of whether they move forward or not. I just, enjoy sharing the knowledge and the and the experience with people and then if it feels like a good fit for them awesome you know we can we can set them up with our team but if not that's okay too we can still send resources we can still connect awesome people like you we can you know just invite them to our workshops you know there's just there's a lot. So I encourage people to just reach out. Don't be afraid of having a phone call. If you are like, I kind of heard about this doula thing, but I have no idea what it means. Great. You don't have to sell yourself ahead of time. Just have a call and find out more and see if it makes sense. And again, really what we're saying is just know, like you just want to know what options you have. And the greatest power that we all, all of us humans have is the power to choose, right? We have the, we have the power to choose whether we do something or don't do. Um, but what we don't have is the power to go back and wish that we knew about it. Absolutely. Right. So if you have that, like, I don't know what this is, or I don't know if I need a pelvic floor physics, maybe you don't, right. maybe that's just not a thing for, you know, maybe you just need like a book recommendation, like whatever it is, right? At least you can say, you know what, at least I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't leave that stone uncovered. At least I knew what it was about. And then I decided that it was or wasn't a thing, right? So absolutely. 
Absolutely. And that's what it's all about for us as doulas is just educating on options. There's no right or wrong way to do anything. There are multiple ways. So we just like to be able to show those, those different options and allow parents to, to find their way. Exactly. I want to thank you so much for taking time. Oh, and before I forget to say this, um, for our listeners, I will have the links to all of the website and the YouTube and the Instagram, all of that will be in the show notes. So if you're like, ah, I'm driving, don't, don't do anything silly. We will have that in the show notes and it'll be easy to click and, you know, find uh, how to connect. And uh, going back, I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing this because, you know, I really do, um, you know, believe in the services that you guys offer and the support that you offer. And I just know that it's, you know, really powerful and impactful and empowering for families and, you know, individuals who are going through the birth experience. So I just, and I wanted to talk about like the COVID thing and some other things that people might not have considered in terms of using a doula that can make life so much easier. Absolutely. And thank thank you so much for this opportunity. It's, it's so important to have opportunities like this to just get the word out and, and talk to wonderful professionals like yourself. So thank you for inviting me to, to share today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And on that note, we always want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And I guess my call to action from you, um, if you want to make an impact on somebody's life is just share out this episode. If you know somebody who's um, you know, who's currently pregnant, um, thinking about getting pregnant, um, about to deliver, you know, it's never too late. Uh, you know, share this episode out just even from the perspective of like, I wish I knew. Well, at least now, you know. All right. Um, so on that note, we will connect with everybody on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.